You're listening to the Film Marketing Academy podcast, the audio series dedicated to helping filmmakers create better film marketing campaigns faster. Join your host, Pascal Fintoni, for what promises to be an exciting and intriguing voyage of discovery filled with advice, stories, and film marketing ideas. Thank you for tuning in. And now, on with today's episode of the Film Marketing Academy podcast. So, Roger, I mean, in fairness, this being episode 37, we have mentioned movies from the 80s quite a bit, and people will think that we believe the 80s was the best decade for movie makers and film goers. But the 90s weren't so bad, in particular when you consider the work of David Fincher, and in particular today's movie, The Game. The Game, yeah. And David Fincher as well. I mean, he did seven, didn't he? It did, yeah. It did seven. Was it just before the game? Yeah, and Fight Club came afterwards. So the game is in between seven and Fight Club, yeah. Now, the game, Pascal, I remember it's one of those movies that I've not watched that often. So re watched it this week uh, to prepare for this um, episode. And it's just, it's just a great film. And I, I could see elements of Seven in it as I was watching, and I've seen Seven a lot more than I've seen the game, but the attention to detail, the cinematography is just incredible in this film. But it stars Michael Douglas, and I, I, I don't know what it is about Michael Douglas. He's just a, he's an absolute gem of an actor, isn't he? He's been in so many films. Pretty much every film he's been in has been a, a marvellous success. He has a gravitas about him. He, sometimes he doesn't do much but look moody. I think you've said that um, you said that in the green room before we press record. Uh, but this film messes with your head a bit, doesn't it? I think this is why this film uh, is works so well. But but you're right; it's not people don't talk about it so much. So I'm so glad we chose it for today. So this idea of typically when you watch a film, you are slightly ahead of the characters. So you, mm. you know what's going on, and and you want them to succeed. In this one, you are just as confused and 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 lost as the character played by Michael Douglas. Yeah, and. It was interesting. When I was thinking about this, I was thinking about all the films that Michael Douglas has been in. And and if you think about it, a lot of the films that he's he's been in portray Michael Douglas as probably quite a rich character. You know, he's often married. He's often has a big house to live in, flash car, incredible career. The locations are very exotic, usually in big American cities. And then something happens to that character that could totally unravels his life. So in Fatal Attraction, he obviously has an affair with Glenn Close and she turns out to be a bunny boiler and, and his, his whole life comes crashing down. And in Disclosure, um, you know, he's a, he's a VP in a, a tech firm and he gets sexually harassed by Demi Moore. And as a result of that, his life starts to spiral apart. You could argue the same about Basic Instinct. There was the other film, uh, what's it called, Falling Down, where mm. he's the, the poor man on the way to work, gets caught in a traffic jam and ends up just losing his rag and, and, and shooting at people. And you could argue again, his life starts to fall apart. And in each of those films, there's a specific reason that you can see He's had the affair with Glenn Close. You know, Demi Moore has sexually harassed him. But in the game, his life absolutely unravels catastrophically within the two hours of the film. 
as the audience were not actually quite sure what the poor guy's done to deserve it or even what is actually happening. Yeah, because so David Fincher knows what he's doing. I mean, as much as his career as a filmmaker, a feature filmmaker, started in the early 90s with Alien 3, which has mixed you know, uh, reviews and, and, and kind of confused history, he had, he's been doing video and documentary, uh, music video, sorry, and documentary for a very long time. So he knows his craft. Mm. But also the writing. So what we have here is Michael Douglas playing the character of Nicholas Van Orton, who is a bit of a tormented soul. He's witnessed the suicide of his father. His father died at the age of 48, and this is his 48th birthday. He's alone. I can't be sure that he's lonely, but certainly he's alone. And he's trapped in those buildings. You know, I think the cinematography you mentioned a moment ago, where wherever he goes, it feels like he's trapped into this architecture yes. of modern times. It felt a little Kafkaesque to me. And his brother, played you know superbly by Sean Penn, comes along with a gift, a game that can make your life fun again. Because his brother is saying to his older brother, "You're boring. You know, you turn into a normal man, and you may die like dad. You know, very very soon." So. Michael Douglas you know, takes part in a game, but actually he does it in a very arrogant way. Uh, he thinks basically he's going to outsmart you know, the, the creators of the game. And suddenly his life turns upside down, but we as the audience and, and the character, we don't know whether it's basically his brother who did uh, a dirty trick on him. Uh, is it because actually this organization is about ripping off rich people? Is it because he's making a mistake? and actually putting the life of complete innocent people in danger. And you don't until the very end. No, and it, 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 you don't know when the game starts, <laughs> when he's actually in the game. Does he step out of the game from time to time? You know, he interacts with all sorts of characters who are potentially part of what's going on, or as you say, may just be innocent bystanders. And we don't know as the audience whether, you know, they are part of the conspiracy and and as you say is it sean sean penn that's put put this together and and i think it was david fincher himself there's this quote from uh internet movie database where he says movies usually make a pact with the audience that says we're going to play it straight what we show you is going to add up but we don't do that and it's just one of those movies that twists and turns you're never quite sure where it's going to end up and, and and what's actually happening. Now, that might frustrate the hell out of some people who watch it. I can understand that. But it certainly kept me on the edge of my seat, especially when I rewatched it. And when we think about the storytelling, the character is in danger. I mean, mortal danger several times, which is why actually you do believe that it is this um, incredibly well-organized um, scam to take away his fortune by this organization called the Consumer Recreation Services. So, by the way, Roger, if you ever think of a birthday present, don't uh, give me something like this. I don't <laughs> think you know I, w- I would I would manage so well, but. Um, you know, what, what is interesting for me and why I felt the movie was even more sinister, I've been watching it again more recently, is because in 1997, when this was made, we didn't understand technology, artificial intelligence, big data to the degree that we do today. But if you remember, the character spends almost a day in a kind of an assessment center so that they can design the right game for him. And I wondered whether in there somewhere there were some early signals about what data can be used for 
Yeah, that's very that's very interesting observation, Pascal. I hadn't actually thought of that, but you're absolutely right. They needed to assess him to to be able to set the game up. Other things that we noticed was, you know, it, it was an early-ish film where mobile phones were used quite a lot. And, you know, the, the mobile phone that he has in his car is actually quite a big one. You know, it wasn't quite the brick-shaped one that we might have seen in Die Hard nearly 10 years earlier, but this was still the era where phones were still quite chunky uh, and, and and people were just coming to terms with them. Uh, and, I do, and I just love that sort of um, retro, even though it isn't really that, that long ago. But I think to your point, the, the movie doesn't feel old. No, I, no, it didn't it feel like I was watching an old 90s movies. I mean, I've we watched uh, a, a few recently where you think, oh, the music's a bit 90s or the acting's a bit, you know, wooden. This felt like something you could, that could have claimed to have taken place in the early 2000s or, or, or later. And there's some really twist, good twists and turns. And every so often you think you've got it. They throw something at you. There's a scene or something that he discovers himself when you go, no, I was wrong along. This is not what is happening. Yeah, and and it's interesting. I mean, there's a few there's a few faces that you recognise in the film. Sean Penn, as you've mentioned, uh, the actress who plays the waitress Christine, uh, she's called Deborah Cara Unger, and really good actress. Who I I can only think of one other film that she's been in, and that was called Crash, um, which was a bit of a bizarre film that had. Um, um, Holly Hunter in it as well. It was people getting sexually turned on by car crashes, which is a bit bizarre. But I really like this actress, but I I just don't think she ever became really a bit a really mm. big star. The one thing that um, you know I wish they wouldn't do in movies is to always bring a clown puppet. I mean, I, I just <laughs> so you know I know there's a term for it, you know, but uh, I'm not a, a big fan of clowns. And when so what what cleverly what they do is they let him they tell him that he's been declined and that he's not gonna they're not gonna go ahead with the game but in fact that is already the south of the game and then outside of his house he discovers on on the kind of just outside the front door this kind of life life size puppet of a clown and that looks so sinister uh, that was it for me you know if, oh, if, no. if, if i'd been him i would just find ring ring that hotline number and say that amount no i think i think trisha said exactly the same thing as soon as the clown appeared i'd have been out of there funny funny i mean we talked about um, woman in black recently and and again there was scary clowns in that as well so it's definitely a motif that freaks people out it's that that smiley face but the, but the fact that they don't talk but they seem to be looking at you. And of course, in this film, the clown was looking at him because that's where they hid the camera. Yeah, yeah. So there was already some early signs of kind of uh, using kind of mini technology to spy on people. So let's talk about the marketing, Roger. Yeah. Now, yeah. what is interesting, when you and I do film marketing, we talk about the marketing, we mentioned the key elements of a typical campaign, and we, we kind of really rushed through the reference to posters and teaser trailers and trailers because, frankly, they're not really that meaningful. But on this occasion for the game, the mm -hmm. best element of the marketing campaign was the teaser trailer, which is often something that is rushed even by the filmmakers themselves. But this, mm -hmm. to me, was the strongest element of the marketing campaign. Yeah, it was it was a bit surreal, wasn't it? It was a it wasn't scenes from the film. Uh, we had dialogue in the background with the characters, but the actual teaser itself was a wooden puppet 
being manipulated by somebody pulling strings, which actually is an ex- extremely good analogy of, of the of the film itself. And the so you were literally all you could do was be drawn by the audio because there was li- little visual to distract you. Mm-hmm. I think the audio had been ever so slightly you know produced to and pushed so it was really um clearly uh, audible but there was something about it that you were almost listening in almost like flying a wall to bits of conversation and you couldn't quite make out what was going on but clearly the character michael douglas was in distress whilst this puppet was being manipulated and there comes obviously the title of the game with a strap line gamers wanted or is that what were they used for the um official tagline yeah players players wanted yeah players wanted and what do you get a man who has everything yeah it's quite intriguing again the the film's intriguing because you never really quite clear what's going on until right at the end and i guess they started that intrigue build up right from the start when they were marketing the film early on so, so for me, that that's uh, almost the number one takeaway lesson for the, the mm-hmm. for film marketing, which is uh, where generally the teaser trailer is almost you know uh, substandard to the rest of the marketing campaign. It, it began a campaign in a strong way, and and I do challenge ourselves as content creators whether we do enough with regard to creating the, the teaser. Uh, and spend time on, on the quality of the execution because after that the trailer was then released where you could see scenes from the film but they're cleverly still built on that intrigue and tension so it wasn't as if they'd forgotten about the teaser trailer and so the trailer becomes the main thing it was a nice build-up and um, they did have at the time an official website roger mm-hmm. which sadly mm-hmm. no longer uh, around i do wonder whether they could leave those websites up just for people like you and i you know, I'm sure they could afford it. You know, a few pounds a month in hosting, just for historical value. What do you think? I I, I seem to remember it was an in, it was a very good website, and again, it, it drew you into that idea of. I mean, I'm sure there was some sort of gaming element on it. I can't remember exactly what it was, but it did use quite a lot of the iconography from the film. You know, again, the aforementioned buildings and the color palette. And that feeling of being enclosed and trapped, I'm sure that was, um, maybe, I'm, maybe I'm misremembering it, but I do remember that the website was interactive in some way, but it also had the feel of the film as well. So for me, the, the other elements that uh, we do mention a lot in film marketing is the extensive use of PR which I think mm, is always mm. overlooked in modern mm. times, and, and also making sure that as a, the director, David Fincher, made himself available for many, many interviews to explain, not to explain the movie to the point where it, it was revealed you know, what was happening, but just to kind of talk about his um, passion for storytelling, for crafting a story. But, but what they did very cleverly as well, Roger, is the movie takes place in San Francisco, yeah. and the movie does showcase the, the city really really well so of course you're going to get the local pr bandwagon onto it as well so yeah i i absolutely agree and and my wife and i went to san francisco for our 10th wedding anniversary oh really and and there was a few places that i spotted in the film now the the hotel that michael douglas uh meets the uh the russian guy in which has an incredible white facade which almost looks like a greek um palace is actually the Ritz Carlton Hotel in uh, in San Francisco, and we stayed there for a few days for our tenth wedding anniversary, and, and it was absolutely beautiful. 
that hotel and oh we were both sat there with it and we always both looked at each other and go oh look there there it is so roger this has been actually a great great choice you know not the most famous movie uh, of all times perhaps not even the most famous movie for michael douglas and david fincher but actually for that very reason i think it was worth talking about it but also for me what a clever narrowly focused marketing campaign that we can all learn from definitely definitely i think it's easy to blow the film isn't it in the trailer and let you know give all the best scenes away give away the story and and we often do that with our content you know i frequently with my own po- podcast use the old you know th- 60 second snippet with the wavy line um audiogram i think they call them and quite often that gives away an, an incredibly important part of the narrative maybe we should be thinking about how can we create total intrigue by doing something slightly different for our own trailers well thank you so much roger for spending some time with me this has been episode 37 everyone please leave comments suggestions and reaction usual places until the next one make sure that your marketing is done right i was pascal Pintoni and he was roger edwards bye for now Thank you for listening to the Film Marketing Academy podcast, the audio series dedicated to helping filmmakers create better film marketing campaigns faster. For more information about our film marketing consultancy and training services, go to filmmarketingacademy.com and book your free discovery video call. And if you haven't already, don't forget to subscribe and follow your host on social media for more updates.